from tonight at the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica, episode 231 of the Aztecs. I am Taylor. John is still on assignment, and um, joining me this time is another member of the Galley Fam. I'm happy to have him on board. Uh, it's none other than Dan Vanderwerf. Dan, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for being available to suggest an episode or a story and uh, come on to talk about it. I, I, I'm excited because I had never seen the Aztecs before. When we were talking about episodes before I came on, I was wondering, based off of your reactions, whether you had seen it or not yet. And it's one that I will watch over and over and over again. I absolutely love this series. It, Yeah, it is really good. And we will get into that in in deeper detail um as the episode goes on here but every episode we like to share just because you know we are in the pandemic age it seems like what is making us happy right now so dan what is making you happy i'll tell you uh a little (laughs) inside baseball i asked taylor maybe to push push recording a little bit because uh, uh one of our closest friends was having her birthday and they invited us out to dinner and we don't really do much because you know the panorama and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So we went to this wonderful, wonderful restaurant and uh, had a delightful meal with drinks and good fellowship, for lack of a better term, with with two of our closest friends. And anytime I get to see them, it puts a smile on my face. So that's what's making that's me awesome. happy. Awesome! That's fantastic. Well, for myself, I was kind of a, actually, it's kind of chaotic around here right now. We just, we had the kitchen repainted. Uh, tomorrow, one of our bathrooms starts a partial remodel. And then after that, our other bathroom gets a complete remodel. Um, so it is going to be chaotic in here to say the least. But this past <clears throat> weekend, um, this is going to be really kind of weird to describe, but I had been kind of like browsing Craigslist for just like a like a beat up but neat looking surfboard that I could throw up on the roof rack of the bus at VW show. And I saw one a few weeks ago that was just in, you know, faded glory, 80s day glow colors. And I went, oh my God, I think I'm in love with this board. And then the ad expired. And I was like, oh, I missed my chance. I oh. missed it. I completely missed out on it. Um, and I would keep checking, you know, every few days. And then for some reason last week, I kind of went, you know what? I'm going to look at Facebook Marketplace. I never look at Facebook Marketplace. And darn it if I didn't find it. And they had been sitting there for four weeks. The same one. The same one. That's fantastic. The self-same one. A, a mere 30 miles from me. So It was meant to be. I think so. After a little bit of discussion, I went down on Saturday to pick it up. And the only reason the guy I bought it from had it is because he had bought a storage unit. And this thing was sitting in it amongst other stuff. And I was like, any chance you've taken even 100 for it? Because at this point he was asking 120. I'm like, I worst case scenario i still pay 120 it's no big deal and he's like eh, sure so i got this thing for 120 bucks and it's it's beat up it's not watertight you know it it would um it would need some loving before it saw the ocean again um those are all words i do not understand as someone who is a landlocked you know <laughs> midwestern <laughs> yeah, surfboard fair. what is what what is surfboard <laughs> it's it's like an airplane wing but smaller ah uh-huh. Yeah. Like a yeah. canoe that you can't sit in. 
Exactly. Oh, gotcha. Exactly. It is like a canoe, but you cannot sit in it. Um, and I, I was trying to figure out, because everybody who shapes surfboards will sign them and kind of put the specs of the board um, on the foam before it gets fiberglassed. Okay. And painted and everything. And I really, I couldn't make out this signature. I was like, man, I'd really love to figure this out. And so I took a picture and I kind of posted it up for some friends. And right off the bat, somebody's like, well, you know, is that a, a rusty brand surfboard? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, that could that be, um, I forget how to pronounce his last name, R- Rusty Preisendorfer, I think is how you pronounce it, who is like the guy that started the company. Okay. And I'm like, you know what? I think you might be right. And so I like Google image searched his signature, found it. I'm like, yep, that is a dead match. And then I was like, wow, this is, this is just, it was like board number 2,177. And it turns out that they've made like tens of thousands of boards at this point. Okay. And I'm like, this is early. This is like really early. And so I've now kind of got on this, I don't know, rabbit hole of like okay i need to get a hold of the company i just, he's still alive so i've like messaged him on instagram being like hey look i'm sorry to bother you but i picked up this board and it's this you know low number and i'm just like what can you tell me about it if anything like can you just give me a guess as to like what year it was made so i'm i'm hoping to hear something back we'll see I'll divine me the providence of this board precisely um <laughs> that's really but cool. yeah it's it, it's rough it's rough but it's neat so is I'm, that something that as, i apologize is that something that you no, can um uh that you can like refinish and then like it can be made new again or is like they're, surfboards like once they're beat up they're kind of like not structurally sound and safe anymore or? well it it depends i mean you really need somebody who's more of an expert than i am which would be probably most people okay. <laughs> uh, to take a look at it. But there are like, you could snap a board in half and there are people who can fix that. Okay. Um, so, you know, hope springs eternal. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd be curious just, just for the heck of it. I, I, I'm, we're not in a position to do anything with it, but I'd be curious if somebody looked at it and said, Oh, it would, it would take this much to, uh, you know, at least, you know, get it in better shape. Um, I don't know that it would ever be perfect again, but yeah, I'm like, a find out just to find out. Find out just for curiosity's sake. It's one of those things where, like, you know, cause, like, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of, like, the antique road shows and those type yep. of shows with my dad. And, yep. you know, it was one of those things where people, like, you almost are nervous to try and, like, clean something like that up because you're, like... You, you know, like the person will take the patina off of something and ruin like anything, like any value of it or, or like, right. and even from like a hist- history perspective, like that board has obviously had its own, you know, its own life and its own history. And do you really mm-hmm. want to take those nicks that that board earned out of it? I, don't, I mean, that's an interesting dilemma as someone who doesn't, you know, no escape uh, uh, surfboards at all. Yeah, no, that and that that's that's a very good question. Um, and I run into that all the time with old VWs. It's like there's a level at which you know where does patina become okay? This is structurally dangerous now. Yeah, you know it it, it looks cool, but if you drive it, you know your front wheel's going to fall off or something. Right. You know that kind of thing. Um, there was a bunch of like you know a layer of yellow spray paint uh, laid over the bottom of it to kind of cover up some of the repair and i was like i've got some goof off graffiti remover it's a single layer so i i took an hour on sunday and just got almost all of it off nice um and it's just you know bright you know day glow yellow paint underneath it underneath the fiberglass that's really cool okay 
this was a good move. This this was smart, you know. But yeah, it would still need uh, a bit of fixing to get in good shape. So anyway, that is what is making me happy this time around. Um, you know, we've got an interesting opportunity here, Dan, because after uh, Terry and I recorded last time, like almost like a day or two later, um, you know, the, the biggest maybe the biggest news of Jody's run uh, drops <sighs> and, yes. and here we are getting to mention it and talk about it, but it has been announced that both Jody Whitaker and Chris Chibnall will be leaving at the end of three specials over the course of 2022. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm not ready to see Jody go. Same. Um, I think Chris did a bang up job. I feel like he, he doesn't have the gravitas that, that Moffat had. Yeah, so Moffat was that. easy to kind of step in, you know, uh, when, when he took over. Uh, because he, he, he already had, you know, that something, right? And Chris Chibnall, mm-hmm. like, he's, I mean, he's done lots of other things. Um, and he's very good. Uh, but I, I, I must admit, I'm a little disappointed with his writing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm okay with him going. I think he did a... Um, a admirable job of keeping the lights on until whoever comes comes next. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You could you could have taken you know one of the, any of the best show sci-fi writers in the world, and I don't know if they would like. You're asking a lot to come up after you know Russell T Davies and, and Stephen Moffat. So mm-hmm. true. Um, true. I'm hoping that this next season, uh, you know, we get to ex- explore more with the Doctor and Yaz. Yeah, um, I would really like to see that relationship develop more, uh, and I was really excited. Uh, although you know, it, Graham quickly has become one of my favorite companions, and I was you know sad to see Bradley <laughs> go. But mm-hmm. I was excited at the idea of um, you know a female TARDIS team for a bit. Yes, same. Um, and I guess uh, you know I thought okay, this could get interesting, and then uh, the name of uh the I'm actor sorry. the name of the actor kind of oh uh, uh, john slipped bishop. through john yes john bishop um but you know like them announcing dan coming in like almost immediately and i was like oh really yeah, and and having having hinted at the next season starting with jody and yaz having traveled together for a while but we don't get to see it yeah that's that's disappointing yeah i i always say the same thing when it comes to a new doctor and a new writer that the first season um, is going to feel kind of awkward because they're both feeling yep. out the part. The actor's feeling out how yep. they want to play the doctor. The writer is writing how they foresee the doctor, and then they start to f- figure out the mannerisms. They did the same thing with, you know, Capaldi and the same thing with, with Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and uh, you know, um, the second season for her, re- she really grew on me, uh, you know, and then all the stuff that's kind of happened. Uh, the the storyline has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed that they haven't really seen any recurring monsters for the most part. For the most uh, part. That that was very refreshing for me. I felt like it was a very good jump off point for new people. And they knew that they were going to get new people just on the, because of the fact that the doctor was going to be a woman. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bittersweet. I'd like to see her do more. But uh, I also understand that it they apparently had decided when they signed on they were only going to be doing three seasons. So... You know, we, we, we didn't know that, but they did. So yep. they'll get their chance to tell the story they want, and uh, we'll see where uh, the chips 
lie at the end. Yeah, it, it will be interesting because we get um, what would have normally been a 10 episode season. We thought we were getting eight. We're now technically getting six. The other two episodes become the New Year's special and a spring special, um, all of which, from what I understand so far, are all basically filmed and in the can. Um, maybe not the editing done, but at least principal photography done. And there will then be a um, autumn 2022 special which will not only mark the bbc's 100th anniversary um but also uh serve as a feature length i I feel like feature length is such a broad term that could be 90 minutes that could be two and a half hours it depends on whose feature we're comparing i want a six hour epic with a intermission in between that works for me yes i'd be down for that um in in yeah in autumn like i was saying that that will be her her swan song her departure um obviously we know nothing about what's going on there so far although i did see something that um it looks like and this might be a a touch of speculation so i'm going to put quotation marks around it um it looks like over the course of the six episode season we literally just have two different directors uh doing all six episode uh jamie stone doing like one three and i think five and i forget who else it was someone someone new someone different doing like two two four and six or maybe it was one two and five and i'm thinking three four and six anyway i didn't bookmark it today which was dumb of me because i would have thrown it into the show notes (laughs) well can't always get what you want friends no this is true so we'll we'll see you know what speaking of getting what you want or at least the what you want part the guys over at and the guys and gals over at den of geek have a uh, list a wish list of what they would like to see for season 14 and i'm curious to just take a quick look at maybe some of them see what you think okay um so let's see oh (laughs) one make the doctor a bit more of a bastard um so maybe maybe a little bit more capaldi-esque sass and grumpiness yeah i mean i i I could go for that um it it, it depends on how they want to go with it right like i i feel personally i feel and it's too early really to look to discuss names or things like that but i personally feel it is very important that they follow up uh with the next doctor not being you know a stereotypical doctor not a white male i want to see right you know if they're going to go back to a man i want it to be you know uh, uh you know an actor a man of color or yep. uh but i would prefer it to see it be a woman um mm-hmm. and then also maybe let's let's throw in uh let's keep let's keep you know record breaking stuff happening or, or history happening and let it be a person of color a, a woman of color take that yeah, role why not um my big concern with that uh not to move away from this but uh is that it feeds the it feeds the trolls so much that you know there are plenty of critics out there and plenty of you know uh dude bro type admi- uh, dude bro type fans that are like oh they ruined the show by making it a woman and they see they they knew it sucked and that's why they're bringing it back to being a guy and i don't want that for jody because i think it would be a very silly stain on her legacy mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm very concerned uh but i mean bit of a bastard doesn't necessarily have to mean that it has to be you know, a man. It could very well, True. you know, uh, very well could be a more sarcastic woman. Um, yep, it absolutely could, and I'm 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 chalking that up to just being, you know, the turn of phrase. Yes, yes, as I, it were. 
I could I could get behind that. I really, really could. I think that would be fun. Well, and I've I've always liked, you know, I'll use Capaldi as the example, his kind of almost arrogance at times. Yes, I would absolutely I've always agree kind that. of liked that. Uh, um, you know, he, he I, that's just, that's you know, the type of actor he is. He, you know, that's just the type of persona that he carries. So it worked very well yeah. in that regard. So you, you yeah. can do it, but you got to be very careful with it. Otherwise, it. it it's it's a very fine edge i think sure absolutely i agree it's got to be the right person to kind of carry that demeanor um the the next thing they've got which actually i think might be a really neat idea is vinay patel the showrunner uh vinay patel did what demons of punjab yep demons of the punjab fugitive of the jadoon okay um you know I liked his episodes. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a nice callback to to the burgeon, the beginnings of the show. Yeah, as well. Very true. Very true. That'd be kind of fun to do. I could see that. I have... uh, one of the things uh, I'm looking at here is uh, uh, they they title it "Give Big Finish a Crack of the Whip." Uh, just imagine what the Big Finish team could do if handed the reins for a run of adventures you could actually see. I have recently fallen in love with Big Finish. I haven't Fair. done a lot of listening before. Uh, I picked mm-hmm. I picked up with with uh, the new uh, Ninth Doctor series um, oh, okay. and listened to all of that. Um, and now I'm going through. I'm currently listening to the first Missy uh, oh, series. If you haven't listened choice. to, I highly highly good recommend choice. that. Michelle Gomez was fantastic in it. Yes, I'm actually looking forward to the third volume of Missy Adventures. I okay. Order that. Um, and then uh, I'm also going to hopefully now bounce to all of the uh, River Song uh, series as well. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Good but choices. yeah, I think they have phenomenal writers. Uh, I think that they do fantastic theater of the mind and it would be wonderful to see what they could do with a budget and uh bring you know flesh and blood to some amazing characters that they've already created yeah yeah definitely um uh let's see make it scary properly scary um i personally i'm a little on the fence with that i don't want it to just be not scary at all um but you know modern tv modern effects the way they are some of the stuff can come off genuinely scary and i do kind of want to get my kids into this yeah uh i think i don't i don't want to see it be you know monster of the week but i don't also don't want it to turn into a thriller because that's not what the show is about the show is meant to be uh you know there's supposed to be light-hearted moments or fully mm-hmm. light-hearted episodes so if it got real serious i think you're doing a disservice to to the legacy of the show yeah yeah um and and folks i'm not hitting all 14 of these we could do an entire episode just on this um i'm gonna i'm gonna do one more and if you want to see everything they want to say go check out the show notes but here's one that i am 100 percent behind bring back a classic companion yes um i absolutely have my choice who i'd like to see but okay dan in terms of classic companions who would you want to see come back i feel like we've been through so much (laughs) <laughs> and it's always bothered me that we never go back to check in on Susan. I think yeah. a thousand years later, how wonderful would it be for the granddad or grandmother uh, mm-hmm. to go back and check on, you know, family 
and see what she got up to. See, did, did does he have great? Do they have great grandchildren? Do yeah. is she maybe somehow you know she was a very uh, uh, adventurous um, you know run you know she she was very adventurous as well. So maybe she found a way to time travel, and maybe she uh, found ways of making her mark on the universe. I, would, I think that'd yeah. be fantastic. That that would be cool, and I know it's, you know it, Susan coming back has been speculation you know for multiple seasons now I think, um, but it would be nice to actually see that happen personally. I, I've always been a fan of Ace. I'd love to have her. Uh, I'd love to have Sophie Aldridge return to the screen, and and even ju- even if it's just for one one story, one adventure, I'd love to see it. With with the current story arc happening and like the paradigm shifting uh story that chipnell's telling right now uh there is a there's an opportunity and maybe it's likely not going to happen but what it's there's an opportunity for uh the doctor to kind of hop around throughout her you know 13 lives Mm -hmm. um and maybe like that helps push the the story that they're trying to tell with 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 everything that's happening on Gallifrey, like a, there's a potential to do that, and I, that could be a really interesting way to to finish up this story arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be very curious to see where they go with it. Well, it wouldn't be an episode of podcast if we didn't at least have some big finish news to share. Um, and I threw this one in here just because of the writer uh, for tonight's episode. Um, Big Finish is going to have two new Lost Fourth Doctor stories coming all the way out in March of 2023. Because who doesn't have their Google Calendar filled with, uh, you know, Big Finish releases for the next 10 years? Oh, yeah, I'm totally booked. (laughs) So part of what they're doing is uh, Doctor Who, the Lost Stories, um, Doctor Who and the Ark, which is adapted from John Lucarotti's original story. Uh, for the television serial The Ark in Space. Um, John Lucarotti also wrote The Aztecs, as we'll be talking about tonight. And there's also going to be um, uh, Daleks! Exclamation point, Genesis of Terror, featuring a full cast episode from Terry Nation's first draft script. Interesting. Uh, and a hence dramatic reading of his original storyline for Genesis of the Dalek. Okay. So they're they're grabbing basically early drafts of a pair of fourth Doctor stories from 1975 um and and giving them the big finish treatment so this this i don't know this could be interesting because we we like kind of i know john and i have talked in the past uh when we kind of get into the story notes of whatever episode we'd watched and talk about like oh an early draft of this featured you know this character doing this and this person dying over here and some great giant monster that they never had the budget for um so it'll be interesting to kind of you know go in and hear what an earlier version of each of these stories would have sounded like yeah absolutely Absolutely. And lastly, uh, this week, uh, we have news that uh, Ralph Watson, he played uh, Captain Knight in The Web of Fear, which hopefully we'll be reviewing soon because that's going to get a DVD release, uh, played Etis in The Monster of Peladon, which I don't think we've done yet. I think we've just done Curse of Peladon. And maybe most recently known for us here on the show as Ben Travers in The Horror of Fang Rock, uh, he has passed at the age of 85. Uh, unfortunately, the, 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 the actor himself doesn't ring a bell in my head, but, uh, what Web of Fear, what a classic, (laughs) what a classic, classic who episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and we only recently did the horror of Fang Rock, probably within the past 10 episodes. Okay. 
Um, and so that that's that's what uh, stuck most in my mind. Um, but he will be missed, needless to say. Rest in peace. Indeed, indeed. Well, Dan, the time is here. I am very excited to talk about the Aztecs. It's first Doctor Adventure. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I'm very stoked to do this. Yeah, starring William Hartnell as the Doctor, William Russell as Ian Chesterton, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright, and Carol Ann Ford as Susan. Oh, and not to mention John Ring- John Ringham. Oh, sorry, John. Even I stumble over words. Uh, as Latoxel. We've got a lot of Mesoamerican names that I'm probably going to murder myself over. It was written by John Lucarati, directed by John Crockett. It first aired May 23rd through June 13th, 1964, and it is the sixth story of season one. And I'm going to exercise my vocal cords a bit because we have what would be considered a slew of story notes from the fine folks over at TARDIS Wikia. Good news. This was the first Doctor story that I could definitely watch all the way through because negative film prints of all the episodes were recovered from BBC Enterprises back in 1978. This is not a missing adventure, thank God. Um, John Lucarati spent a lot of time researching the real Aztecs before writing the story. So, good job, writers. Do your do your research. Um, Carol Ann Ford was actually on holiday during the filming of The Warriors of Death and The Bride of Sacrifice, um, which if I remember right, I think are episodes three and four. I believe so. Correct. Um, or it might be two and three. I can't remember now. Um, and appeared only in pre-taped film sequences, which were shot during rehearsals for Sentence of Death, which is the fifth episode of the preceding story, The Keys of Marinus. What a... Uh, I mean, that's a... How Doctor Who of them? Like, how many times have we heard and read, like, uh, little tidbits uh, of different episodes where, where they said, oh, this was filmed. Uh, the pickups were of this of this scene were, were filmed during X episode that happened, you know, that we we saw, you know, three, four months down the line. Uh, yeah. Very, very classic. Uh, very, very... Uh, M- fits their MO to a T. That's the word I look Completely. For. And I know we have watched many, many classic Who stories where it's like, oh, why isn't so-and-so like in this episode much? Oh, it turns out they were on holiday. Um, because I guess you could take holiday during filming. Holiday meaning they're filming something else for more money? I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> um, well, interestingly, interestingly enough, because I can't enunciate tonight, the closing roller caption at the end of The Bride of Sacrifice had to be refilmed as it was considered too erratically printed and thus not acceptable for broadcast. I don't know if the kerning was just off or they were typing too fast or what, but uh, they had to refilm that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now, the exact date this story takes place is unknown, save for the fact that it is sometime after 1430, the year Yataxa died. Uh, the book, The Terrestrial Index, suggests 1480, while the novelization of this story places it in 1507. Um, the uh, Virgin New Adventure book, The Left-Handed Hummingbird, a copy of which I have sitting on my shelf at home, um, Bernice Summerfield actually dates it to the drought of 1454. Um, because, hey, what is canon? Um, 
Anyway, this is currently the only Doctor Who story written by John Lucarotti that exists in the BBC archives, as his other two serials, Marco Polo and The Massacre, are both missing in all of their episodes. Uh, sorry, missing all their episodes, and neither one has a single frame of surviving footage. They exist only in soundtrack form. Sounds like they uh, need to do a couple of uh, first Doctor episodes. The, the, the Marco Polo is first Doctor or second Doctor? Yeah, Marco, Marco Polo is first Doctor. So they can do a couple of animated features. Sure, why not? Give, I, give Hartnell I the, the Troughton treatment. I would love to see it. Absolutely. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would love to see every single missing story missing episode recreated uh in good animation <laughs> well having lived in mexico john lucarati was fascinated by the aztec civilization he described them as a highly civilized and cultured race and was particularly fascinated by their obsession with human sacrifice um which obviously does factor into our story a bit costume designer daphne dare used artistic license with her costumes in the serial uh because male aztecs usually wore brief loincloths and cloaks while women were often topless and i don't think that would make it past standards and practices <laughs> Uh, and lastly, John Lucarotti also made a point of using Aztec-sounding names for the characters. For example, the character Ixta was derived from the Aztec city, which I'm about to do a terrible job pronouncing, Ixtapalapa. I, I, that's how I would go with it. That sounds right. Okay. I <laughs> won't tell me. you how many times I looked at it and went, okay, how am I going to pronounce that? Where do the syllables break? And that was my best crack at it. So if I, if I butchered that, my apologies to all our Aztec listeners. Well... We uh, we wouldn't be a normal episode of Podcastica unless I did what John often calls one of my world-famous synopsis. Uh, I don't think I feel right calling it a world-famous synopsis myself because that sounds a little braggadocious. But here we go. The Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara land in the Aztec Empire circa 15th century, and the history teacher immediately proceeds to do some tomb raiding. Barbara is mistaken for the return of the god Yataxa, and things quickly go off the rails from there. Ian becomes a warrior. Susan learns about being a good wife, only to rail against the patriarchy. Barbara tries to change the future and completely ignore her understanding of history. And the doctor makes some cocoa, only to inadvertently get engaged. Don't forget the political intrigue or the fight sequences, and you've got one hell of a story with the Aztecs. That sums it Dan, up nicely. Your, doesn't it? Doesn't it? What are your overall feelings? Tell me. So this is such an entertaining, rich story arc, and it has everything that you could possibly want in any type of uh, classic sci-fi or even, you know, modern sci-fi, right? There's plenty of suspense, there's intrigue, mm -hmm. there's politics, infighting, there's romance, there's, you know, there's conflict, there, you know, there, there's plenty of cliffhangers, lots of beautiful things to look at, uh, and, and more. And I think aside from what I would consider kind of a ham-fisted interpretation of Aztec culture, based off of, you know, <laughs> 1960s England. Um, Fair. If this was, I think, I, I do believe the Aztecs is, if not the best, has to be top five best story arcs in the history of classic Doctor Who. Maybe even the entire run of the, from, from now even all the way up through modern times. It's just perfect. I, I, I don't like to use that term loosely, but I believe it's a perfect story arc. Um, you know, and, I will be... Good. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I was, I find the, the only other thing I would, if, if they ever were to want to remake any classic, uh, uh, episodes, this is one 
that I could see them redoing. Or if someone were to write a story or make a story, um, an adaptation of this into uh, a modern day production of some kind, I think it would be an absolute masterpiece to watch. And I would love to see it. I, you know, I completely agree with you on that. This this was my absolute first time watching it. I've never seen it before. Knew of it, obviously. Um, and this really, I, I can't agree with you more. This is a fantastic story. Um, we are blessed to have it, it's, it, it in its entirety. Um, I mean, the costumes are amazing. The sets are amazing. You know, especially considering this is, you know, we're still in the first season of Doctor Who. Um, they've really put a lot of effort to it. And, and it really, really is a story that has a modern Who feel to its arc. You know, you arrive somewhere, you're somewhere in history, there's a case of mistaken identity. And rather than be like, oh, oh, whoops, sorry, you know, run away or something, you know, the, the companion decides to lean into it and go, well, yes, of course I am. And and thinking that they have, you know, the, the, the audacity, the wherewithal to go like, maybe I can change history. Maybe I can change something about this culture that I, you know, I and my ethnocentric, you know, focus. What's, what's, what's interesting about that, um, and we can touch on it later if you if you like, but I would like to think, you know, because of the fact that, you know, Barbara is a history teacher, right. and she, to me, it wasn't so much that, oh, I need to stop this senseless killing that's happening. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like she's like, okay, if I can make them less barbaric, when the conquistadors show up, they'll see that they're more of a... A civilized race and maybe it's a situation where these like the aztecs can survive other than to be completely wiped out that was oh, the vibe that i got from barbara and maybe that changes okay. a little bit as she's she's getting more immersed into the culture but originally what i felt was that i'm trying to save a people and maybe she's going about hmm. it the wrong way but that was just the vibe that i got Interesting. No, I like that. I like, and I like that approach to it. That 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 certainly gives it more complexity um, than simply like, oh, don't do human sacrifice. It's a barbaric, you know, practice, which is like easy for a twentieth century white person to say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? um, <clears throat> but I think that dovetails into, into a question I kind of had as I was kind of watching the first couple of episodes. Um, and, I, and I'm curious your thought on this. D- does Doctor Who representing a culture that, that's pretty much no longer around, does it land differently than it representing a culture that is still around? So, I mean, I think of, um, you know, I, I think of uh, the Aztecs compared to something like the Talons of Wang Chiang, where... Mm-hmm. You know, Chinese culture is still around. Um, you know, Asian cultures are still around, obviously. Um, the Aztec culture has been, you know, racked and, and destroyed and, and left to the, the, the annals of history. So when Doctor Who kind of um, uses them as characters, you know, uses them as, as, as backdrop and, and, and the meat of a, a story, does it, does it kind of land emotionally or... Um, however you want to look at it, does it land differently than if we're looking at a culture that does still exist today? Uh, I, I, I have kind of two answers here. Okay. Uh, if I'm looking at it, uh, you know, in, in 1960s, uh, when, um, you know, political correctness isn't quite there. 
Um, right. You know, uh, cultural appropriation is is not something that people talk about. Um, right. I can see it more of a yes, these people existed, but he kind of treat it kind of like you know people t- when people would you know, talk about like the ancient Romans or the you know the ancient Egyptians. They would write things the way they kind of they do their they do their due diligence. They do a little bit of history and they try and find like nuggets of truth that they can expand upon. Right, that yeah. you don't necessarily you don't necessarily know, and maybe it, it's kind of a it might be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe you kind of treat it kind of like fan fiction, you know, where there are certain things where there, there, I mean, every every fandom uh, writes their own stories about what they yeah. their their headcanon, right, um, yep. to fill yep. in the gaps that they don't know, and so I can see this being something like that, where I mean we talked about it in, in the show notes where he lived in Mexico for a very long period of time and mm-hmm. he's fascinated with the culture and maybe this was uh, a bit of a a journey for him to maybe find out more about a culture that he feels passionate about so I I, I can see that uh, on that side and then on for, for also from from like the like the viewer perspective the the audience perspective really when you when you when you break it down is it any different for them than uh, they're going to be on you know they're going to be on Scaro and they're learning about Daleks, or they're they're it's just another you know an alien race for them, right? Like an alien race and an alien planet and a, and something that's so completely foreign to nineteen uh, sixties you know United Kingdom nineteen mm-hmm. sixties England that it could be you know like the Aztecs were little green men on Mars, you know like like that that that's kind of how I can see them looking at it there. Modern yeah. day going back and looking at it. You know, it, it 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 does hit a little different, and only yeah. because you know, like there is like we're we're finding out more and more every day in, in, in even modern history about some of the atrocities that happen to indigenous peoples all over the world. Um, so, is it more? Is it? Does it hold up? Is it appropriate? Um, mm-hmm. Those are questions for smarter people than I. Um, but I feel that as long as you go in with pure a pure heart and you're not trying to do a, a caricature of what you believe them to be, right? I think you, I, I think you can you can possibly get away with it uh, if you're doing your best to honor a culture and not just use them for a plot point. I think mm-hmm. you can get away with it. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think that's a very fair and and a very. Um a very enlightened assessment. And, and I actually, I, I, I liked your fanfic uh, comparison that that makes sense to me, um, especially in light of uh, Lucarati having lived in Mexico for a while, being kind of interested in Aztec culture. Um, and so obviously kind of taking that journey to incorporate that into what he does for a living um, and, and yeah, writing um, and it being done. Yeah, a fan fiction. I can totally get on board with that. Um, and you're right. We look back at a lot of this stuff, um, you know, through our, you know, uh, what I can't call 2020 vision anymore because it's 2021. Yeah. Um, but through our modern lens. And I and I, I think at some level, you know, especially when, when we're discussing it, I feel like we kind of have to uh, look at things just in the historical context of like, okay, this is the 60s doing, 
you know, the mid 1400s. Yes. And, you know, this, this is a reflection of, of what they thought of it and what they understood of it. And we have to also understand that, you know, almost 60 years on from that, we have a, a different understanding of what that time period is like or what this culture was like. Um, and that's, that's still important because we, we not only have that understanding of, you know, the further point in the past, but that also helps us understand, you know, the the mindset of those in the 1960s. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it's, I am a big, big lover of, of watching, you know, movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, 60s. Okay. Um, because of the fact that you do get to kind of, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of a time capsule, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get to see how like productions were put together then, um, but you also get to see kind of you know it, it's these types of things are all popular culture, so you get to see what what is pop culture in that in, in that little slice of history in that little slice of time. Yeah, so, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, so we have the story: the TARDIS lands. They actually land in uh, Yataxa's tomb, so they're able to figure out what I'm going to call Yataxa's garage door. <laughs> yes as they're able to swing and get out but it's a one-way door um so not only do we have the tardis trapped in a tomb so we now we have our team tardis separated from the tardis um we have barbara who has happened to pick up some of you taxes jewelry and just put it on like she's at i don't know macy's or something Oh, I must get better light. I must see how this looks in the sun. Right, exactly. (laughs) This must be so dazzling, I'm sure, that the moment the locals walk up, they go, oh, you're wearing this. You must be, uh, you know, Yataxa reincarnated. Not only that, but let's applaud the fact that in 1964, um, we have a character saying that the form the spirit takes isn't important. Talk about knocking down a little bit of gender normative thinking. Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, a lot of that, a lot of that, early, those early episodes when 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 you put that in, you see a lot of uh, uh, Verity Lambert, uh, her influence, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think I think both. Why am I? It's late in the evening. I'm blanking on the names. The original yeah. director was of the very first story. Uh, yeah, like the the Warris Hussein. Yeah, Warris. So you know, they they are. You know, there are two people that don't fit in really with polite society in in, 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 right. in, in England. You know, um, being a woman in a quote unquote man's job, and you know, uh, a gay Indian man. Uh, yeah. and, you know, like they're they're often not not cringe, like not reviled, but you know, they're 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 not as welcome, uh, and they have a because of you know their life experiences they have a certain way of thinking and and yep. uh, I think it, it it shows that they that they're shaping the show in that regard and because of the fact that they were making it to be a children's show mm-hmm. um, it, it's 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 very heartwarming for me and very um, before their time to be able to take that opportunity and kind of give them that whole uh, mr. Rogers moment that 
Like, <laughs> it's it's like subtly too, right? Like if you're if yeah. they're not like it's just in the back of their head, you know. Oh, you know what? Like when kids go out and they're gonna choose what episodes they're gonna play. We watch the Aztecs. Let's go and play Aztecs. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, I'm gonna be a Toxel because a Toxel's a girl. Well, it doesn't have to be a girl. That's that's yeah. that that was that was really poignant. That was really good. Yeah. Um, I, I loved that part that really kind of jumped out at me. Um, and and very quickly, um, I think in the story, we we kind of have, um, how do I put it? We, we kind of get this power play because I feel like we, we, we get the folks on Team TARDIS kind of feeling like they're playing the locals a little bit because, you know, it's so far it seems like they're buying that Barbara is Yatoxa. Um, and at the same time, we kind of, when the, when the, when the direction cuts to, um, you know, just our, I don't know what I, what you want to call them, Team Aztec, mm-hmm. our locals, you know, they... The home kind of team. Like, the home team. There you go. There you go. You, you cut to the home team and it they're going like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure I believe these guys. You know, let's let's play them a little bit. Let's let's take this this guy and let's see if he really can be, you know, a warrior um or you know let's take susan and go you know show her i guess books of how to be a good wife um and let's take the doctor to the old folks home which is hilarious yeah um latoxel he's a i think he's he's a genius writer in my head the the thing that i saw was like Jafar in Aladdin, right? Like he's I saw he's that playing, in your notes, and I'm like, yes, he's playing chess. He's three, four, five, six moves ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, part of part of what's so beautiful about um, the relationship that builds, or the the adversarial relationship that builds between Barbara and Latoxel is that uh, Barbara you know, even in the 1960s is often talked down to you by men. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't <laughs> think Latoxel appreciates the fact that, um, you know, this God has come back and no, it was a, you know, Yotoxa was a man. No, oh, Yotoxa can't be a woman. Clearly, clearly women are to be suspected. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think from, from the jump, he never trusted that she was who she said she was, uh, which, which, is very shrewd, um, and I love the the juxtaposition between Latoxel and how he doesn't trust anything that's happening here, and Otlock, who is just just this sweet old man, who's just <laughs> yes. like, yes, goddess, how can I help you? And maybe he's a little naive, um, but he he's pure, you know, like what you would hope for in uh, like a religious figure right like he, he, he he's he, a devotee yes he, he's a true believer yes uh i just i really appreciated that um and i really enjoyed uh barbara you know deciding you know what i ain't letting these guys push me around mm-hmm. and uh just that 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 um you know that that strong woman uh that she portrays uh just fantastic you know, it, it really is. And it's one of those things that um, kind of grows on me. Like right off the bat, I have this kind of feeling like, oh, you know, she she's going to play this up kind of just from a I have a chance to alter history aspect. But but that's a great insight that you have that it's like, you know, she's coming from a culture and, and is obviously in another culture where women are not in many 
positions of power, if any at all. So she's like, look, I need to stand up and I need to kind of take that chance and I need to kind of push that boundary. And, and, and yeah, I, I can see that. And I appreciate you kind of helping me see that um, because it, it admittedly does all kind of go off the rails. And, you know, as you lean into a part, you get deeper into it and that has repercussions down the line. Um, like I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about the cliffhanger from our first episode as, as we like the story has this story has a lot of close ups. Yes, very and much. There so. are a lot a lot of close-ups in the Aztecs, but but one of the best ones is at the end of the first episode, and we we get close on Latoxol, and he goes, and I shall destroy her, and it's um you know it's 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 a little over the top, it's a it's a little silly, but it's also you know it's nineteen sixty four Doctor Who. It's there is something about the camera work and you know being on a set at in this era where things um i don't know there's something i don't want to say the pacing because i think the pacing of the story is actually really good yes absolutely i don't think it i don't think it ever really dragged on Mm-mm. uh i i it's one thing that i noted i, I think i maybe i I don't remember if I actually wrote it in or not when in, in my in my notes, but uh, oh, I did it's in the directing. I feel I said that oftentimes. I feel like in, in many classic Who episodes, it seems like a, a, a scene lasts like a beat or two too long, or you yes. know, they say the line, and you know, uh, mo- more specifically with with the Hartnell era, where you know something would happen, they'd say something, they'd get all the exposition out. They'd move the story mm-hmm. forward, and then it, it would just hang there for a second, and and you know it'd just be like the doctor tugging on, you know, his jacket, and be like, hmm, or, or you know something, <laughs> to- something totally, and then it feels like you're like, oh, oh, are, are we done? Should we should we go? You know, like, yes. do you want to do you want us to leave yes. the room so y'all can can do whatever? You know, like it, you just, I never felt that with this one. The pacing was so good. You you uh you know from from the moment. Uh, Barbara was there and like the, the uh, you know, Susan and, and the doctor and Ian coming out as well and being introduced as their, you know, the handmaiden and the servants of, uh, of, um, of Yatoxa. Of Yatoxa and, uh, you know, and then straight to taking Ian to, to the warrior's den and taking the doctor mm-hmm. to the garden. Um, and all of that, like, they, they did that and then snapping between all those things right so you you have that scene where barbara is starting to push the boundaries and, and you see the talks will be like no i'm not i'm not so sure about this uh and then you cut away from that and now you're you're in the warriors den where where you know ian's being introduced to Ixta and you know you can smell the testosterone in the room because these guys yes. are like you know like two bulls that are like sizing each other up like immediately, immediately from seeing each other, and then yeah. just when you think things are going to get tense, there let's cut away and let's go see the doctor who's now, you know, in the garden enjoying the flowers and the in the water and you know looking <laughs> at all the lovely ladies and and you know it is so well paced that you never really I don't think you ever really lose attention in this particular episode, which is a rarity for classic Doctor Who. Yeah, this is very true because I mean it is a it is a first Doctor story that we often refer to as like 
an example of just terrible pacing. So to have a first Doctor story where the pacing is so good and the story feels, you know, in a lot of ways, really well balanced between everyone. I will say with the exception of Susan, but obviously she was on holiday for part of that. So there's there's this whole section where she's just, I don't know, off doing some book learning and... I think at one point I want to say it's I think I want to say it's in episode three where all of a sudden we come back to her and I was like oh that's right we haven't seen Susan for a while. Well, I mean th- that was that I'd was forgotten about it. That was a little bit of a genius kind of bit of writing there. Like so obviously they knew she was going to be out, so they just said you know what Susan's going to be safe. She's my handmaiden. I want her with me. So, yeah. so it's just assumed that Susan is in the temple uh, with Barbara until she's able to come back and now. You know, she does something to make them mad. So now we're going to punish her. But no, no, you can't punish her. So, you know, Barbara steps in to protect her. And then that's the plot point that moves her into, you know, learning to be Susie Homemaker. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, it's it's very, very intelligent, thoughtful writing. Mm-hmm. I will completely agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got. I think you've just you've laid out all of this just so well. Um, you know, I almost I don't even need to go into like every story point. I do I do have to say um, I would love to talk costumes and set design because these yes. are so good. Like like the sets look fantastic. Um, just between like kind of representing the architecture to a point um the fact that we've got some kind of lush looking plants you know it's it's not just um it's not paper cutouts of anything right yeah um and they on top of that they're they're you know you know not just thoughtful writing but also thoughtful set design in this which you know i had always felt from uh watching uh an adventure through time and space and, and this the scene where you know, Verity goes to the set designer's like, I need my TARDIS. And he's annoyed with her. So he pops mm-hmm. holes in pieces and looks like he just kind of throws it together. You don't get that vibe in this, right? Because the the temple feels big and, you know, echoey and solemn. And then when you go to uh, what, I, what I'm calling, you know, the the, the, the uh, warrior's den, it's it's much more intimate. It's it's it's. You know, with a hovel, it's meant to be kind of Spartan because these are tough warriors. They don't need luxury. They just need a place to sleep and a place to train. And that's the type of vibe you get there. And the same thing with the garden. The garden gives a peaceful vibe to it with the water, with the fountains and all the plants. And uh, I, I just could not get enough from the set design. Um, and I would agree with you with the costuming, too. Uh, specifically, uh, I was very impressed with the detail that they had with... with uh, Ixta's and and Ian's clubs. Um, oh yeah, the the paddle type club that they had mm-hmm, uh, with mm-hmm. the obsidian pieces that are put in. Those were one hundred percent the type of weapons that uh, Mesoamerican type uh, warriors had in in the Incas and the and the um, Aztecs and, and those ancient tribe tribes there those were the type of weapons that they were able to make and they were deadly deadly weapons that those sharp uh, um onyx pieces uh obsidian pieces not onyx obsidian pieces razor sharp very deadly yeah. weapons and uh yeah. it was a nice touch as someone who has spent time uh personally uh studying a little bit the, that that time period 
or and those those civilizations. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was a nice it was a nice feel to see. Um, I one hundred percent agree with you. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, art the art the art that went into both costuming and set design was it was just amazing yeah um one thing that really <clears throat> excuse me stood out to me um that that i really enjoyed was um uh ixta's whole leopard mask right you know it on, on the one level you know you can kind of look at it and go okay that looks you can kind of come at it from like a modern perspective like oh it looks kind of hokey it doesn't quite look like a leopard but it does it doesn't have to you know it 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 what it represents you right. know is 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 so much more and and the fact that you know he he meaning meaning the actor just kind of gets into it and goes with it uh is really good and and latoxel's outfit the makeup you know with the literally the stripe across the mouth and like the and feathers that whole, popped up over his head yes yeah, beautiful stuff yes totally intricate um i loved it they they really went in and um oh gosh uh ian puts on this this almost like metal bird-like helmet at one point that was an eagle it's an eagle thank you yeah eagle yeah um that's that's just intense that 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 whole like the amount of effort they put into just this story is so admirable it's so worth watching uh it it, what, what's what's beautiful about that for me is th- that the culture themselves like that wasn't uh, that wasn't just something you're just like hey I think it'd be cool to have like a cat head or a bird head or you know whatever right those were very deeply held uh, beliefs and and things where you you earned the right to be the jaguar warrior or to be the, mm-hmm. the eagle warrior or the you know whatever the the I don't know the alligator or whatever the the, the yeah. other the others might be but those were those were honored positions and it was cool to kind of see like you know because they had the other they had the other guards and they would just kind of have like you know guard uniforms for lack of a better term uh and you could tell specifically that these were two men that were specifically being picked to be basically the general of all of their armies yeah very cool stuff yeah oh completely and i i mean i know you know differentiating um you know your warriors is something we've complained about on the show before like you know you get a bunch of sea devils and they all look the same um or a bunch of uh silurians and you know here's one that has like a slightly different colored shirt or something and that's that's the your only differentiation you know you you look at at the different characters in the aztecs and you you know who's who you know where each of them are kind of on the uh uh on the hierarchy well, not only that, but I think oftentimes when you, you when you're invading a different planet, invading that's the wrong word, but they're visiting a different <laughs> planet and you're meeting yeah. a new culture, and oftentimes you know uh, I'd be talking with my partner and I'd be like, which which one is that one again? Because they're so similar that you don't necessarily there's nothing to give them distinctive qualities that make you kind of become invested, um, yeah. and I think they did a very very good job of that. Like you the the fact that you know, uh, the co- uh, I'm, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the, okay. The, We've got tongue tied. The um, the way that uh, um, John Ringham carried himself as Latoxel, uh, yeah, you know, kind of hunched over and uh, almost Richard the Third like. If that you know, Ooh, okay, like the the guy who isn't necessarily evil. 
but he <laughs> he sees the that this is a chance for him to take more power for himself and kind of yeah. shape a society in the way that he he feels the society should be going he feels that you know it's one of the one of the things that i've always liked about uh creative writing is that oftentimes when i when i would write short stories growing up they would always be the bad guys and always would yeah. be the the their ideology and the the things that happen to them to make them believe that what they are doing is is the right thing to do and it's not just because mm-hmm. hey you know uh not to switch but they, you know it's not just it's not just like um you know the joker being a bad guy because batman is the good guy or it's just gonna I, i'm gonna do this because batman doesn't gonna like it haha but you know like right. they actually take the time to um like make really intricate character here. This is a guy who mm-hmm. definitely wants more power. I don't think he necessarily he thinks you know Otlock is wrong in the way that mm-hmm. he is leading the Aztec people, and he feels like the sacri- the blood sacrifice, the human sacrifices, is the most important part of the culture. So I need yeah. to take this opportunity that I have in front of me here to discredit Otlock to. Um, make more people understand that i'm the one that they should be listening to um and, and uh i think i kind of went off on a tangent i'm not entirely sure where i was going no, with that. no but no, no, no but no, I, I get what you're saying you know i, I it's you, you go with that and then you um you look into the writing with with ixta and how all he wants is to be you know a warrior and he wants to be respected and revered and he wants to be he wants the glory of combat and he wants those mm-hmm. things um and i think uh i felt in the beginning you know he was just looking for a way to to cement his legacy to to yeah. meet his destiny yeah i can totally see that you know um and uh the whole uh ian basically punks him on the first time they meet uh you know and now he's like man i have to get this is like all i can think of is is like water boy uh, you gotta get your manhood back mr coach klein you know and he's like trying to figure out how to get his manhood back um, oh boy that's that's the kind of vibe that i got from him uh from the beginning and he's not a bad guy he's just like i was embarrassed yeah like my bros were here and this guy just comes in and like he what vulcan neck pinches me and like i go to sleep like what that's that shouldn't be i'm i'm extra that should happen to me it's and it is pretty funny because i mean you know if john were here we would probably talk at length about ian and extra kind of you know getting the rassles on yes get doing the graps um and and sadly he's not here to to get kind of the play-by-play but we do we do get kind of maybe one of the more awkward moments of directing in this whole sequence that you were talking about where um i think the doctor is inadvertently um given ixta information about a a certain plant that will uh uh, either knock out or temporarily paralyze ian and the the as they're fighting the doctor comes in and shouts don't let him scratch you and then instantly he gets scratched and then there's this kind of like slow turn to the camera to be like look at my scratch cameraman yeah and and it's you know it's it's cool to get a battle but this is kind of just a little it's the money it's the money python no one suspects the spanish inquisition and then like just hand scratch yes yeah um i 
that I, I don't think they, they, I don't know if it was directing or they just never thought of like, how is he actually going to, how is this going to happen? Right. Right. Like it shouldn't have been, unfortunately you're right. It's probably the only real misstep in the entire episode because it shouldn't have been like a, Oh, okay, come here. I'm going to get you. I'm going to tickle you. You know, kind of <laughs> like there could have been like there's so many other things they could have done there. Like they they he has this thing in his hand the whole time when like they're they're locking up with each other and like wrestling around yeah. on the ground and whatnot. It would have taken nothing for him to be like, uh, oh, Ian's got him in like a hold and he doesn't know how to get out. So he scratches him deep with the with the with the, you know, the plant. And Ian lets yes. go, and then they break up, and it's a thing that happened. And maybe it's a little obvious plot point. I don't know. But I feel like that could have been a very... It, it fits. It would have fit what had happened more. And, I, and unfortunately, I feel like that kind of takes you out. But fortunately, the writing is so good that you get right back into it again. Yes. Um, completely so agree with it's, that. It's only momentarily. So a little, a little it blip. Is. Um, but but it is it's, it's like you were saying where you kind of like where the direction kind of takes like a beat or two longer you know not only do we have the directing taking a beat or two longer we have the actor being like let's pause the action to look my hand and then you know it, it is it's a small nitpick in an overall fantastic story and you're absolutely right the writing and the acting kind of just pull you right back in and you, you keep you know, racing off to the end of the second episode into the third. Um, and, and one of the things that I love is we have this um, older gal in the garden, Kameka, um, who has the hots for the doctor. I don't think it wasn't mutual. I think he, I, I honestly, I, I think he uh, enjoyed the intention he got. And I think, I think that right. uh, he uh, found himself a friend. I really, I don't, I, I, I don't think that was more of, it wasn't a, oh, this is awkward. No, we can't do this kind of thing. It was more of a, you know what? When in, when in Aztec land, be an Aztec, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I don't like, I don't think that he uh, really picked up on the fact that like, you know, the whole hot cocoa thing. Which again, Otlock there, like what a wingman Otlock is. Be like, hey girl, yes. you like this guy? Let's get him. Let's get the cocoa bean. Oh, yes. that's really. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. And then you know, um, it, it it did bring up an interesting thought to me. Uh, you know, because this is for all intents and purposes the first. Uh, well, I guess they didn't get married. They were engaged. Um, this is the first on-screen wife, for the lack of a better term, for for the doctor yeah right? definitely like we know like that the, the doctor had another had another relationship because susan is his granddaughter and i think there's some uh uh we were looking it up as we were watching to talk about this um and went and looked and see how many times the doctor had been engaged you know doctor gets engaged a couple times to elizabeth the first um you know, uh, there's a couple of other opportunities. Uh, interestingly enough, there's a website that that kind of tracks like the relationships of the Doctor, and obviously we can't forget River <laughs> really? Song. Um, but they brought up um, uh, the Joe Doctor, and oh, okay. brought up uh, I can't remember the character's name now, but her husband. Oh, right, yes, of course. Uh, you know, uh, so there's another one, and um, in, in my head, I'm like. This is like 
you can look at this a couple different ways, right? Because like it takes till death to us part to kind of a real extreme here, right? Because like, hey, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored with this one. I'm just gonna hop in my TARDIS and I'm gonna move forward a hundred years. Oh, wifey's dead. Okay, I'm free to get married again. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, like the, that's this one. Like if the doctor was. You know, maybe he's a little bit of a ladies' man. He's a little bit of a player. Like, it's, uh, you know, she's dead. No big deal. She she died at some point in time in history. I'm still alive. No longer Hitch. Let's do this. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting take. It, 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 I, I don't know why. And, and then what would be amazing about this, right, is I can see this being a story <laughs> where the doctor is hopping from, from, significant other to significant other to significant other and then run into river and river's oh, like funny uh yeah this is gonna stop because <laughs> if not i'm going to kill all of these people like it, we're, it we're done funny. you know yeah it would be funny in that same sense where you get um you know either a, a rom-com or some sort of like episodic you know, I'm thinking like friends where where somebody's overcommitted and has like two dates and they have to keep running between two different locations and changing clothes to keep both of these dates going. But it's across oh. time and space in the TARDIS. It's like the dinner. It's the dinner across time and space. And like, oh, man, I have to eat dinner again now. And now yes. it's now it's the uh, brontosaurus ribs at the Flintstones in the movie theater. <laughs> and then back to to the towers, uh, the singing towers of the river further on, and and oh, right. man, oh that'd be fantastic. Right, that would be great. I'd love to see that someday. Um, but yeah, the Doctor's response to uh, you know, kind of his moment of understanding of of the how hot cocoa scene was great. It was very entertaining. I just I loved it. it it's in a, in and amongst all the political intrigue. And the the warrior battling and everything, this this whole kind of scene is just, is really kind of sweet. Yes, yes, and 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 lighthearted and stuff. And I, it's it was fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, oh, uh, so the one thing that I did want to I wanted to touch on before we got there was, yeah. you know, Barbara shows up at the end of the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Latoxel's like, if you're such a powerful person, save him. Knowing full well that she doesn't have, you know, magic godlike powers to to save Ian. Um, and yeah. oh man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, you know what? I see a blade there. Uh, technically, she did exactly what he asked her to. He saved Ian's life, or she saved Ian's life by threatening to Toxel's life. And I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> like it was <laughs> the most gangster way ever yes. to to protect Ian. Um, which, you know, was a really nice twist for me because, um, Ian has always, from, from, from the first episodes, Ian has always been the stereotypical cookie cutter man's man, you know, the strong, Mm -hmm. intelligent, ready to fight at any point in time. And listen, dude, you're not more manly than me. And I'm about ready to prove it to you. Just look at how far I can spit, you know, um, and uh barbara is usually the one that needs to be saved because she's she's kind of talked herself into a hole and it was nice to be able to watch barbara kind of turn the tables and and save ian in that regard yeah completely agree completely agree with that um and that was that uh that was uh the other bit of that, which I laughed hysterically about because I said, oh, man, Ixa's not a bad dude. 
he's honorable. He just he just got intimidated by Ian because Ian was gonna be a threat to take away the thing that he wants so badly. And I was like, I right. kind of feel for Ixta a little bit. And then the next the next breath, he's sitting here being like, I totally lied. The plans don't exist. The doctor is an idiot. And I'm like, no, he is a lion jerk. And I don't like him anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like he he totally got to to throw a zinger at him, and he was like, "For once, the high priest of knowledge will be ignorant." And I was like, "Ooh, got him!" <laughs> you know, like, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it really is so well done the whole way through. One one, one thing that got me um, as I'm listening to uh, the characters interact, there's there's one guy who's in league with uh, Latoxol uh, named Tanila. Yes. Um, and I, I heard his accent. I'm like, that's not British. I'm like, he sounds like he's from New Zealand. And I kind of just had to stop him. I'm like, let me go look. Let me go look at Tardis Wiki really quick. It turns out he's from South Africa. So I was close. New Zealand, South Africa, you know. You know, um, he's played by an actor named Walter Randall. And he actually was in like half a dozen different Doctor Who stories between this and the end of John Pertwee's run. But the best part get this he actually owned a hamburger diner with john pertwee in the 70s um i want a time machine and i want to go back (laughs) to this place and i want pertwee to deliver me burgers with the cape it has to be with the cape with the cape on definitely i apologize in advance kitties are uh that's okay their nightly uh kill known to everyone that is quite all right i've already had my cats crawling around down here we we appreciate pets on podcasting (laughs) hey quiet don't you know we're recording here (laughs) dang cat Mm, anyway uh yeah so yeah that i mean come on I want. I want. Yeah. I, I need to know more about this burger place. Like, is it? Did they have a cool Doctor Whovian name, or did it run on Pertwee's name, or like? I, need I have to, these no are idea. Details. I need to know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I would have to go and to look that up. That. Yes. Uh, yes. Got sidetracked. Now I'm thinking about burgers. <laughs> uh, oh, it happens. so so we get through all of that, and then we're back to you know Susan again, and. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're through act one and we're through act two. And how do we get through like, okay, now we need the resolution to happen, but we need that push to get through. So what better way to do that is, oh, Hey, we're having fun and games learning about Aztec society until Susan, it's all fun and games until you have to get hitched. Yep. And, uh, and, I love the fact like, that she's like, I, I, uh, don't own land and I don't do all these things. And she keeps saying all these things because she's a good student and she's learning and memorizing all these facts and all these, mm-hmm. all these cultural things. And then it dawns on her that all the things she just said was like nerds to that. Exactly. You know? Um, and, and, uh, you know, then obviously, uh, this is how they get, uh, Otlock to turn on, uh, on Barbara now too. So now uh, Barbara's lost her safety net with with a high mm-hmm. priest, and uh, we're starting to get into all the all this. And Ian is now um, the doctor has found a way into the temple yep. uh, uh, from learning uh, from. I can't remember exactly where he learned that from. There was a. I remember what was it? There was like some kind of. Uh, uh, there's a tunnel system that starts in the garden. Yes, but there was there was a learns about that from. He, either he learns it. I think he it, man, was it Tanila. It might have been. It also might have been something that got let slip because um, what am I? Why? 
Barbara, uh, uh, so so the temple, there's a, oh, that's what it is. So there was um, like an icon of like Yataxa that was on that. Uh, yes. That that stone piece. Yes, that panel. Like, this is very odd for this to be here. And then magically the doctor figures out that, uh, you know. Um, it's, I can't, I can't pull this away. It's a fan, another fantastic moment here where he's trying to pull the, that stone away to, to like figure out what's behind there. He's like, mm-hmm. I can't make it movie. And then Ian's like, I got this. And he like pulls out his, uh, can of Popeye spinach and eats it. And he's like, da, 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 and picks it up and like just kind of yep. wings it off to the side. And, um, you know, no, no doctor, you're too old for this. I've got this. And then doctor's, oh, well. At least take at least take my flashlight with you, uh, um, and once you know it, Ixta's there to close the door on him. But that part yep. that part bothered me because he puts he he's like we got to put this back, um, or else we'll flood the gardens. And, and the doctor's like, um, like I guess you know, trying to be, can't let him know that they're they're snooping around and whatnot. Uh, but right. obviously, he already knows because he's been following them and whatnot. But the thing that bothers me is this is Ian inside he's trapped inside but he is a man of physics he is a man of science as we're about to find (laughs) out when he gets you know to the other side and he finds the strap and like puts the strap underneath the the tomb door and all that stuff yep but come on my dude you know very well that this piece of stone is just laying up against it and you're just this big strong dude and you can't tell me you can't put your shoulder into it and just knock over this piece that's just leaning at the front door that's a good point like, it wasn't like they, like, you know, Ixta was like, oh, well, we'll put this back, and oh, look, the mortar isn't here, let's let's go ahead and cement this back in, and nope, oh, that's a nice airtight fit, and there we go. He just, you know, he just <laughs> leaned it back up again. I do the same thing with stuff in my house all the time, and the cats just knock it down again. Like, I mean, Ian is at least as strong as one of my cats. You should think you should be able to get out. That you would think. Very frustrating, Ian. Don't that's you know what that's a good point. I didn't think about that at the time of watching it. I, I, I it was new for me this watch through. Yeah, and I've probably watched it maybe a half a dozen times at this point. But yeah, it okay. just it's the one thing that I love about watching classic Doctor Who. And uh, if if I can do a little aside, um, yeah, one of the things I've, I've been watching more and more and more because there's a, a a little project that I have in the back of my head that I'd like to do. Um, you know, for, for funsies and for creative aspects and, and things re- revolving, revolving around Doctor Who, uh, classic Doctor Who, and I've been starting to watch more classic Who. I'm much more of a, uh, a modern era Doctor Who okay. fan. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, I've, I've seen bits and pieces. I've got maybe half a dozen, uh, DVDs up on my shelf, you know, the, like, uh, you know, the Deadly Assassin and the Silurians and the five, mm-hmm. the five doctors and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I've only watched bits and pieces of each of the different doctors. And so I finally decided okay. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start watching from, from one and I'm going to get through. And I'm currently almost done with season three of Hartnell. So I'm getting really close to saying goodbye to Hartnell. Okay. Uh, but what I've what I've what I'm seeing more and more with classic Doctor Who is the seeds of what different char- what different companions actually are for the Doctor and who are the types of people that the Doctor likes to surround himself. Who does he like to pal around with around the universe? And you know, and you look at it and you're like, okay, so 
you know, Ian is the man's man. He's smart, he's strong, and he's unafraid to get physical to defend his friends. Um, and we start to see that over and over and over again in future episodes as well. Um, and you look at Ian, uh, and he's bravely, he'll bravely take on anything. He's got no fear. Uh, and, and for me, you look, uh, I had a hard time trying to find more episode, uh, more people that were like that in classic who, but you know, Captain Jack comes to mind. Danny Pink sure. comes to mind. Those manly men archetype type characters. Um, and then, you know, same thing with Barbara. Barbara's always trying to do what's right. And she obviously often doesn't want to listen to the doctor. The doc, he's just as, who's this man to tell me what I can and can't do. And in my mm-hmm. head, I see, you know, People like Ace and people like Donna yep. and Clara. And, yep. and he continually brings these people in to either uh, to challenge him to help the, or to, uh, to you know, challenge themselves to to grow as as a person. I think the doctor does. I think that is the whole point of personally for me. That's the way I look at the companions. He brings companions in because they are what he needs at the time where he feels where he she the doctor where the doctor feels they are lacking in their personal growth i could see that um you know so you have that and then you have like people like susan who just whimsically enjoy, enjoying the ride she she understands space travel she's been all over the universe with with you know with her grandfather and and um, and you can see that again. Obviously, River is probably the best example of that. But uh, you, you also have like Romana and you have, um, you know, <coughs> excuse me, um, you, even to an extent, like if you're looking in, in, in modern times, like Lady Vaster is, is a woman among the world. She's she's been around. She knows she's doing or Strax or these type of characters. And you see the they're, they're the same type of character, but they have a, a new paint of new fresh coat of paint. And yeah. I think um, what's nice about that is I feel like it gives a sense of familiarity. And, and I think for me, this is this is kind of why. I think I've, I've come to understand why I love the show as much as I do, because you sit and you watch and it does not matter who the companion is or who the doctor is. You know that this is um, someone who the doctor is someone who's just out there to help people and have a good time and see, see all that the universe has to offer. And the companions are always there to just kind of, just stabilizers. They they write the ship just a little bit to keep to keep the doctor on course. Um, and I think there's a sense of familiarity and a sense of family and a sense of um, I don't know. Just you sit back and it's like a touchstone, you know. Like when you, everything else going on in the world, you can sit back, you can watch some Doctor Who for a little bit, and it just helps you find that center to that balance and helps you write the ship yourself i don't know i've, I've been I, it, with everything that has happened in the last year and a half with with with, with yeah. you know all of this everything. that's happening right <clears throat> um i my my watching of doctor who uh both in this and also um uh not to go off on a super tangent but right before the pandemic we had invited a couple of friends over who had never watched doctor who before and we mm-hmm. were starting uh, starting with nine, and we were just going to start with nine and see if she liked it. Well, she loved it, and then we had to stop doing it because it was literally right after we got back from Galley in 2019. Um, they came over. Uh, we had dinner together. We watched Doctor Who, a couple Doctor Who episodes. She went home, and then the pandemic hit, and we didn't get to see her yeah. for a year. You know, um, and then we just realized 
at the beginning of this year, we don't need to be together to watch this because Doctor Who is available on streaming. So everybody, we got a bunch of people together who wanted to watch with us. We have weekly Doctor Who TARDIS Tuesday nights. Uh, we mm-hmm. watch a couple episodes. Uh, we've gotten all the way through nine. We've just finished ten. We're... I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself emotionally, so I appreciate uh, the podcast tonight to be able to help me be ready. Tomorrow is Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, boy. Uh, and uh, we have, my, my partner and I, we have specifically orchestrated these so <laughs> to, to hit perfectly. So we've got, uh, I'm sorry, this is complete. Cut, cut all this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't>, <clears throat> No, I love your TARDIS Tuesday. I went off. I went. I definitely went off the rails there. But the 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 whole purpose being that that I've definitely. I don't know. I didn't know I could fall in love with the show anymore than I already had Mm -hmm. been. And this last year has definitely definitely been the psychiatric care that I guess I needed uh, over the last year. Um, No, I totally get that. I totally totally get that. And and I I. I'm listening to you talk about this and I'm like, you know what? We don't even need to finish the rest of what we would normally talk about. Like that sums so much of this up so perfectly, Mm. you know, because I think many of us use Dr. Who to kind of balance ourselves and, and, and find that, that safe place, that cozy place when the rest of the universe around us feels out of control. Uh, That actually ties the end of this series the the, the story arc mm-hmm. pretty well mm-hmm. together because everything is pretty chaotic and they're like oh man how are we gonna get out of this one and uh you know when they finally do kind of get get their getaway and they get back in inside the tomb and they're off ready to go and barbara is just down on herself because she's not able she's yeah. like i didn't nothing i did made any difference um i tried so hard to help these people and you know again i'm fully committed to the idea that she was there specifically trying to figure out a way to save the aztec civilization um you know when when cortez and 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 the conquistador show up and she Mm -hmm. was so downtrodden and and it hit me different this time around where the doctor was basically saying listen you failed to save the civilization sure but you got Otlock free from all of this, where Otlock can just go live his life in peace. He can do what he wants. And you saved one person. And that, for me, was the lesson of the story. The whole lesson of the story arc was, no matter how small and how insignificant it may feel, you need to help people. Because you have no idea the impact that you can have on other people. Uh, and it may not have been the way that she wanted things to go down. but. Yeah. She absolutely affected lives with what she did. Definitely, definitely. My my last note of of this whole story is Barbara's note about why why time travel if you can't help others. That's timeless. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I feel like we 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 see that in modern Who. That that is, I mean, even in classic Who, I mean, we see it all throughout Doctor Who. That is part of it. The Doctor helps people, and 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 you know. On some level, does it kind of germinate here, perhaps, you know, because of Barbara's actions and the doctor kind of embodies that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Because you're looking at other like previous episodes to this and the doctor is very much more about, yeah, let's do some investigating. Oh, these people need help. Well, that's not my problem. See you later. Ha <laughs> And I think this is the first time where you really, you, you might be right. Like this could be the impetus to where. Like the doctor starts feeling, you know what? It might be 
maybe we should do something with this crazy little box of mine. Yeah. Yeah, th- that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. <clears throat> it it does feel that way. You know, definitely. Um, Dan, anything else about the Aztecs that, that you want to make note of before we move on? Um, I think we've... I think we've really hit it. Uh, you had mentioned the bongos. Uh, yeah, really, so many bongos. I really enjoyed the music. I felt like, um, like I said, I, f- I feel like this whole series was a perfect, a perfect uh, series. A perfect from the writing to the acting to the costumes to the sets to um, the music. The music uh, didn't feel hokey. It didn't feel. Um, oh, well, there's a silence. We need to have music as they're traveling through the, the tunnel or whatever. Every bit of it, every, all the musical cues, all the sound effects cues, all of those type of things, um, I think fit the scenes perfectly and served what everyone should be doing when you're writing or when you're trying to tell a story is everything should serve to further the plot. And I feel like the music yeah. did that. Um, it, watch it, friends. If you've never watched it, find, Go go out, <laughs> go out and get that Brit box for a month. Go out, find that episode arc, find how, I, I don't know if it's on DVD, the Aztecs. I'm not sure that's a DVD one or not. Uh, I'm not sure either. Um, but is if, if you love Doctor Who, it is absolutely must watch. I absolutely yeah. think that. I will, I will easily say the Aztecs is, is easily in my top 10 favorite episodes of all time at this point. It's super um, good possibly top five i'd have to think about it it's late my brain's not working too well um but easily top 10 that i can guarantee excellent yeah um and normally at this point we would talk about the duggan scale i've got all the machinery i need stand back it's time for the duggan scale you know our patron saint St. Duggan, um, the man of fisticuffs and little thinking. I don't know. We've got some. We've got some good battles in this story. We've got some rassles. We got some graps. We've got Ixta over the side of the temple at the end. In fact, he did kind of get hit over the head with a two by four, so it works. Yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, frankly, for me, I mean, I'm I'm thinking a solid seven and a half out of ten on the Duggan scale. There's some good action in this story. Wonderful action. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing we have... Gathering close, it's time for the Behind the Coast scale. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking about it, and, and the story is not really scary at all. There's definitely some tension, there's some, um, you know, we've got some good fights, which might, you know, keep a kid's attention. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything that's really going to make you kind of like jump behind the couch and go, oh, my God, I'm totally freaked out. I'm going to have nightmares. No, 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 absolutely not. This is uh, this is the oh, man, James Bond is is in the contraption and the laser beam is about to cut him in half is close. Like, how are they going to get out of this kind of it was suspense. It wasn't there was no I don't really think I don't think there is one bit where I'd be like, uh, I wouldn't want to show this to my to my niece or my nephew. I think no, they would I completely really enjoy agree. it. In fact, some of the cartoons that they watch nowadays are, are way scarier than, than, than this particular episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, can I can vouch for that, that's for sure. Oh my gosh, Dan, thank you. 
so much for coming on and yeah, talking thanks about for having it. Me. it has been enlightening and insightful and so much fun i mean i would i we would love to have you on again sometime i would love to come um, back and and definitely you know for our gallifrey one episodes you know we will we'll all sit down and rehash the days and uh have some fun for that i'm sure that i cannot wait to see you all again <clears throat> Most definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, well, next time John will be back and we will be watching The Girl in the Fireplace starring David Tennant as the Doctor, Billy Piper as Rose, and Sophia Miles as Raynette. It was written by Stephen the Moffat and directed by Euros Lynn. Looking forward to that. I have not watched that in quite some time, actually. So Just recently watched it with, with uh, Travis yep. Tuesday. Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful yeah, stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Um well, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the Podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at BusBuddha71, and you can follow Dan. Uh, Dan underscore VDW. Yeah, there you go. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. Search Podcastica. Look for Cartoon Me and Cartoon John coming out of a cartoon TARDIS. I love that drawing so much. We have we put it on a shirt. Uh, please, please rate and review us as well. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us over at SoundCloud, that's soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G episodes. Land there first and you can get everything that goes out on the network. Um, if you want that podcastica shirt or the future of time and space's female shirt head on over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g and get you some of that buttons stickers tote bags you know knock yourself out go crazy um folks i i hate to say this this much you know this far down the road but it is still a pandemic and things are kind of getting worse out there so one definitely mask up two if for some reason you're not vaccinated go get vaccinated already um but three and we've been saying it for a year and a half now make sure to support local businesses make sure to support local artists and friends who are you know working hard to make ends meet um if you do all that and you still want to throw us some bones uh patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g uh that is always appreciated dan i appreciate you I appreciate the, the what y'all are doing. I've uh, been slowly catching up on back episodes because yeah. I'm not a very good podcast listener at times. But uh, <laughs> you guys have uh, accompanied me on my rides to and from work over the last well, uh, couple weeks. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much for letting me uh, tag along for an episode. Yeah, thank you for introducing me to the Aztecs. It has been a blast. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you in a couple of weeks when we are talking about the girl in the fireplace. We'll see you then. This is kind of just a little awkward. It's the Monty Monty Python. No one suspects the Spanish Inquisition. And then like just hand scratch.